On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll discuss Jalen Smith staying with the Pacers after being considered a long shot to resign. Where they stand in free agency, Summer League is fast approaching, plus several former Pacers have landed deals elsewhere. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. First of all, if you haven't already, be sure to consume my work at fieldhousefiles.com. I'm putting up stories daily, and of course the latest on Jalen Smith, how he's betting on himself and re-signing with the Pacers because of the opportunity, something that he did not have in Phoenix, he did not have full belief and confidence from the front office. He felt stuck at the end of the bench, whereas he comes to Indiana with no promises, with it being unlikely, quite honestly, that he would remain a pacer beyond the season because of that contract limitations. I'm sure by now you know those, so I won't get too much into it. But with the Suns declining his third-year team option, which is just baffling and stupid, at minimum for the trade value, that continues on with the Pacers, so they face those same challenges, and yet Jalen rewarded them. They rewarded him for playing him 22 games down the stretch, rewarded him for giving him the green light and for instilling belief in him and recruiting him hard. Uh, Rick Carlisle shared at the press conference on Wednesday that he had uh, many meals with Jalen, that he even visited him and his family in Baltimore after the season in April, those are things that go a long way with players, especially those that are new to the league, that don't have confidence from their teams, that do not have the green light, that do not have full confidence, maybe even in themselves. They're still trying to figure out who they are as a player, who they are as a man. I know at 22 for me, I thought I had all the answers, and then a year later you figure out you don't at all. Then another couple years later you realize – the more you know, the less you really know. And that's probably where Jalen at, quite frankly, is at this point. And so he said he felt like he had kind of a weight on his back, that he was carrying a burden here over the last, I don't know, year really, because the decision by Phoenix was made before the season. That's when it's due. And normally those options come and go and you don't even think about them. It's a tweet and that's it because it's just a little note. For example, like the Pacers picking up an option on Goga Pataze this past season. If Jalen was part of that group, it would have been a note during training camp that I would have gotten and shared in a tweet, and that's all you really discuss about it. But instead, this is a very different situation here, and it leads to celebration for good reason. I give the Pacers a lot of credit here. I give Rick Carlisle a ton of credit, the ability uh, that they were to get Jalen Smith to agree to re-sign with this franchise. This is not a landmark moment. Let's be clear about this. And yes, they overhyped the moment. They made it way bigger deal than it was. This was not Kevin Durant coming to the Pacers. That's not happening. It's not another top 20 player coming here. But what it is, is a guy recognizing his value. A guy recognizing how he's being appreciated, how he's being used, and how a team is looking after him. And that, in large part, is why he re-signed, why he's betting on himself rather than taking a larger deal. He could have taken twice the money, I was told. He could have taken, say, a three-year deal for $24 million, which is kind of about what I anticipated. He did not. Instead, as I've exclusively reported on FieldhouseFiles.com, it's actually not a two-year deal. 
as a couple of national guys and myself reported. I was the only one with $9.7 million. It is still $9.7 million for two years. However, for subscribers that have already read it, it's actually a three-year deal. Three years for Jalen Smith. However, two caveats. Now, over the last couple of days, as the deal was finalized and was written out, a couple of language items that were included in Jalen's favor, as they should be, because obviously the Pacers are getting Jalen at an extreme discount. He's just 22. They gave him an opportunity. He performed well. There's obviously still questions, too, about can he keep it up? Can he do it in meaningful games? Can he do it early in the season and not just the final 22, where by that point the Pacers are chasing the lottery and not wins? In that third year, it's a player option, and there's a trade kicker. So what does that mean? It means Jalen Smith is getting protections against both injury and against being traded. He wants to be a focal point here. He wants to have more of an opportunity, and we fully expect that. But should he get injured, not be able to play, he has that third year. He can exercise that player option regardless of what happens. He gets paid for that year. So it's one way of protecting himself. And also the trade kicker says, all right, I signed on with you guys. I wanted to play for you guys, for Rick Carlisle and this Pacers franchise. If you include me in a Pacers trade to go elsewhere where maybe I didn't agree upon or maybe I don't look forward to the situation, I also get a trade kicker. And usually it's about 15% of your annual salary. So that was smart work and good work done by Jalen and his agent there. And I think that's all very acceptable and reasonable for him to ask because he's re-signed with the Pacers At a discount, the least the Pacers could do would give him those options and a trade kicker. I see nothing wrong, and I think that was a good negotiation. Maybe there's even more uh, I'm not aware about, but those are two big items in the players' favor in this case. Talk about Wednesday afternoon. I guess before then, the Pacers' summer league team wrapped up their sixth and final practice. I'll get into that a little later on in the show, but then... At 12.01, it was the end of the NBA moratorium here on July 6th, which meant the Pacers and all the other teams, the 29 teams, were able to announce deals, begin signing players to their contracts, and that includes Jalen Smith. However, the Pacers did not say what was being done at a press conference at 4 o'clock. They didn't say who was part of that, and that's because Jalen Smith had not yet signed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. His contract. A unique twist in all this is usually that goes down one floor up at the St. Vincent's Center from the courts and the offices, maybe the conference room. Therefore, the front office, somebody from social media stops by, snaps a photo. They'll later post that along with the fact that Jalen Smith has re-signed. We already knew all of that. However, they saved it. Um for a grander performance, a a grander production here. I also thought it was interesting to the fact of how they kind of replicated what they did for the the draft guys. Normally, you guys probably have no idea or care about this. Very inside media here, and I'm a media nerd. I admit that. 
I listen to all the media podcasts and stuff like that. But in this case, this is not done uh, after the signing. Normally, Jalen would just come over and talk with us. He'd talk with a handful of media members that were on hand. It's not a huge deal. Um, I remember just even last year with T.J. McConnell re-signing. It was him. I think it was Chad Buchanan up at the front tables. There might have been three or four of us people there, reporters covering it. I then talked with T.J. individually, talked with Chad individually. You kept it moving. I don't even think it was streamed live. This is a very different production. I think I think this is the new normal. Not only was it held on those courts, but there was blue lights flashing. Uh, there was a stage with chairs for Kevin Pritchard and head coach Rick Carlisle plus Jalen, obviously. It's on a stage. There were 50 chairs laid out, um, most of which are not filled by media. I think a couple were. I choose to stand most of the time, quite honestly. I sit enough when I return home to my desk. But anyway... Uh, All team employees invited over. It's not mandatory, but they're invited over. So there were probably 100 of those, some sitting in about the 50 chairs and some standing. The entire front office comes over. Anyone on the basketball side takes the stairs down one floor to to be there. And it's one grand production. It's one celebration of their player. And in a lot of ways, I do understand it. Look, it's Indiana. You're not getting top-tier free agents to come here. That's a fact just because it has not happened. David West is the best free agent the Pacers have signed, and there's reasons for that. He did have an option, a uh, better option up in Boston in terms of money, but chose to be in Indiana where he could uh, you know, have a greater role and uh, made the most of it there. And so with including this for Jalen Smith, they're streaming it live. There's round of applause, which for us media members is kind of awkward. Like we're there just to ask some questions and keep it moving. But they're pause. Hey, let's celebrate the agent. Hey, mom and dad, I want to single out them. It's really smart. I'm not knocking that just to be clear. If you can't tell in my tone, it's smart thinking from the front office. Rick, Rick's a pro at this. It's unbelievable. He knows how to hit all the right points, all the right notes, who to thank. Who to give credit for? Nonetheless, uh, so all of a sudden, you know, about 10 minutes, I want to say, into the press conference. Now, probably five. They say, all right, Jalen, time to sign. He pulls out the contract, which is right there, slides it over. And Kevin Pritchard notes, hey, he's signing in a Pacers pen, actually, which I thought was actually hilarious. Anyways, Jalen signs and then answers questions after he does so. And the biggest thing that I took away from that is the belief in Rick Carlisle, his belief in him. The promise of being the starting power forward, which I thought but did not have confirmation of, is what put it over the edge for him. And, of course, the contract uh, boosts help a little bit there. Yeah, he could have gone to a playoff team. There was at least a couple playoff teams I know of that inquired and explored and made calls about. But ultimately, when he thought about it, I thought it was noteworthy how he mentioned how his dad formerly in the military. They're not trying to take shortcuts. They're all about the process and the things you have to go through to get from point A to point B to point C. Let's not skip any steps here. And so, yeah, it's this is not the large, substantial payday that maybe he could have gotten a $25 million deal, let's say. This is a bet on himself, but actually a reasonable bet because if he develops and really just continues to have the type of career he had in the final three months, 22 games with the Pacers, He's going to get paid. So he signed that three-year deal, answered a handful of questions on stage. I avoid those. I wait till the very end. So if you tuned into that and wondering, where's Scott? Why is he not participating in this? I'm waiting till the end when it's private, when you can kind of have a real conversation 
ask multiple questions in a row. That's my preference personally. And you got to get a more one-on-one as well, which is more beneficial to everybody. But huge success for the Pacers in the front office being able to get Jalen Smith to re-sign. The Pacers roster, by the way, right now, looking more like a football team, as one agent told me. (laughs) And I, I laughed at that. 19 players, that includes the five coming over from the Celtics. And by the way, we're still unclear which of those players will stay. Not all of them. And another thing there for the Pacers front office to figure out is do you waive them? Do you deal one of them? Are they included in separate deals? By the way, that deal cannot be finalized until Saturday at the earliest. That's July 9th. That is three months since John Morgan signed with the Celtics. So that's the holdup in that deal. I get asked almost daily about Miles Turner, and my stance and understanding of the situation remains the same. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's that the Pacers are not shopping him. They're not eager to get rid of him. Um, Nothing like that. Yes, they're listening to offers and it'd be wrong of a front office not to do so, but they are not actively seeking out trades for Miles Turner. And also keep this in mind. Miles is entering a contract year. So if Miles does not like a team he is potentially traded to, that's not smart for the other team. It'd be smart for the other team to have mutual interest between them and Miles and possibly work towards a contract extension. Because also, if I'm Miles, I'm taking the contract extension. Do not make the same mistake that he just saw Victor make. And that's going into a season, trying to bet on himself too much. Too much, and I only say this because of injuries. That's the difference between Jalen and Miles here. Because he hasn't finished the last two seasons, injuries are a concern, especially big men in feet. So if I'm Miles and a deal is right, I'd be very interested right now about having conversations towards a contract extension. And those aren't due, by the way, before the start of the season by any means. Those can last, I think, till next spring that you could enter into an agreement with your team about a contract extension. But if Miles, that's among my top priorities, whether it's with the Pacers or with another team. But keep in mind, he does have a little bit of say, a little bit of leverage should the Pacers ultimately make a deal because if uh, the team the Pacers potentially traded him to is a team Miles doesn't want to go to, yes, they could then again flip him to another team, but that's something to keep in mind. As for DeAndre Ayton, who's with Phoenix but a restricted free agent, don't be surprised if the Pacers look into that and make some moves to get the wheels in motion there with DeAndre Ayton, to be clear, because he's a prospect that in restricted free agency is of great interest. He's still very young. They have enough room to sign him outright. Yes, they could do a trade, but they could also sign him outright. That applies a whole ton of pressure on the Phoenix Suns. Aiton would certainly fit the timeline of what the Pacers are doing. I don't know of Rick Carlisle's belief, confidence, or his relationship, if any, with DeAndre Aiton. But the ironic, I think, part with that is Miles Turner and DeAndre Aiton share an agent. 
I don't think there to be any type of resolution with DeAndre Ayton anytime soon. Let me be clear about that. However, there could be some news to come on that front here in the next day or two with DeAndre Ayton, but nothing that would be finalized by any means. Seems like the rest of the league is kind of a still in a standstill, waiting to see what kind of resolution, if at all, will happen with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. And Phoenix, obviously, in play there. And based on the national reporting, that's where Kevin Durant would prefer to go. He's not going to necessarily have his say, but if they can swing a best deal, yeah, that's why wouldn't Brooklyn try to do that? But Brooklyn's in it for themselves, and they should want to get the best deal possible, whether that's with the Suns or elsewhere. Um, Pacers, by the way, still several moves they could still do, including a sign-in trade with the Cavs for Ricky Rubio. Haven't got any recent clarity on that situation. It still remains an option, and Rubio, as of day one, has not signed with the Cavaliers, so that is still in play. It is far too early to discuss starting lineups, but I know a lot of fans are already thinking that way, so I still uh, will bring it up briefly. And right now I kind of see it like this, and this is after Rick Carlisle admitted publicly on the record that Jalen Smith and part of him re-signing was being the starting power forward. And I do have some concerns there. They're, maybe, they're primarily, I should say, defensively. He's good offensively. Knock down the three-pointer, can post up some, can attack, solid rebounder. Um, still a lot of growth, especially in his decision-making. But I think, again, that will just come with reps. He's played like 75 games. That's it. So you just need reps. But that starting lineup, I would say right now, as of this moment, if things don't change, would be Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, Jalen Smith and Miles Turner. Yes, Matherin maybe doesn't start initially. It could be Chris Duarte. Uh, more on him in a brief minute. But um, I kind of think you go all in with Matherin. You like what you see. You want him to, to learn on the fly and get those reps. And so, I don't know, in a rebuilding year. And by the way, the team has admitted now we are rebuilding. That's what they're saying. So I think that's noteworthy as well that Herb Simon signed off on that. And that is how the Pacers are proceeding. Again, Rick Carlisle didn't come for a rebuild, but that is what it is transforming into. That's what the starting lineup looks like, I would think. I don't have any reason to believe Buddy Heald will be moved. Again, maybe a team comes in and makes a sweet offer, but I'm not looking to move on from him. He's a sh good shooter. He's a bigger contract, but you do have to pay players, keep in mind. And on top of that, He's reliable. You know you he's going to be out there every single game just about. He's missed very few games. And so if you took notice of what's happened to the Pacers in free agency, is they didn't keep a couple of the players that have been injured. And Malcolm Brogdon and TJ Warren. And this brings me a perfect segue to TJ Warren. Wasn't it quiet? It was strangely quiet for like the first five days of free agency. TJ Warren, who, if healthy, a very valuable contributor to any team out there, but he was nowhere to be seen. He was not signing with a playoff contending team. And finally, uh, just recently, TJ Warren agreed to a deal with Brooklyn. And then a few hours later, Edmund Sumner also joining him in Brooklyn. I think that's noteworthy for one minor reason too. And that's the fact that both of those players had surgery done in the last year by Dr. Martin O'Malley, who's a team physician for the Brooklyn Nets. So if they're trying to gather info and learn more about these players, they can call Dr. Martin O'Malley and get an update from a guy they trust and have a relationship with. That's important. It also helps the players. 
when they move to Brooklyn and be in New York, they'll be closer to O'Malley and not have to fly from Indy to New York City in the hospital for special surgery to be observed by him. So that's important as those two players seem to have a lot to still offer if they can be healthy. And this is also just a reminder, if you haven't read my story with David West about TJ Warren, check that out on Fieldhouse Files as well. Take a look at my Edmund Sumner feature. I can't tell you how long I spent on this. It's the only conversation and interview Edmund Sumner's done in over a year since his surgery. And he also revealed several new things, including he was set to have surgery on his shoulder, was going to play one more game, and did it at Madison Square Garden, and just bad luck. That was the night that he tore his ACL, and it was in the final six minutes of that game. But Edmund Sumner... Going to Brooklyn, ultimately, if you remember, it was funny in the fall. Pacers needed a roster spot. Rick Carlisle not happy with his point guards. So the Pacers dealt Edmund Sumner to the Brooklyn Nets to free up a roster spot. And in doing so, uh, Sumner didn't even go out there. Uh, did not play for the Nets, obviously, but now will be part of the Brooklyn Nets once again. I believe that's a one-year deal for the minimum. Warren, I don't know the specifics, but I again, I believe it's noteworthy that neither one of their deals have been promoted out there on social media by national reporters who did note how an agreement was reached in the first place. All right, to wrap up here on this podcast, Summer League. Been at every one of their practices here, and uh, and obviously, to be clear, it's at the end of practice. It's not like we as media are able to watch them. Now, team media, the broadcast, radio, are able to watch. We, unfortunately, are not, but... um, Afterward, we're able to see some of it. We're also able to talk with Ronald Nord, who's the head coach of the Summer League team, after being asked by Rick Carlisle to handle those. It was Mike Weiner last year. Then we're also able to talk with players. And so we've talked with all the main players, all the main pacers, all the guaranteed pacers, uh, and then a couple others that are added to the roster. Right now it's 16. As of Thursday, it's late after 1130 as of this recording. And by now, the team has arrived in Las Vegas. I laugh because they got there on a nonstop Southwest flight. I'll be flying there uh, coming up later this week, so you can follow my summer league coverage at fieldhousefiles.com. But, uh, you know, I, I don't fly charter like they do throughout the season, and this is different. This is summer league, so they take commercial flights. And so something I, I think the coaching staff and support staff don't take for granted. I feel for, you know, equipment manager, Jock, Josh Country Condor and Zach Eagle who have to handle all this stuff with commercial airlines and check in a couple hours beforehand as they're sending you know, 50 bags, I'm guessing, with their crew of about 30 that's headed out there. Um, so that's just an interesting thought, at least that maybe interests me here. But Ronald Nord coaching the squad. All the main players you know of over the last couple of years are on that team. The only big concern I have right now is Chris Duarte. He's talked with us a couple times, including again on Thursday. Still bothered by that sore big left toe injury that prevented him from finishing the season. And what you don't want is now you know, three months removed from the season for that to be, still be an issue. And so I'm wondering now more and more if he even plays a game at Summer League, if it's even worth it for him to play a game at Summer League. We expect to see guys you know, like Terry Taylor, <laughs> like... Isaiah Jackson plus the three draft picks this year. But should Duarte play? Right now, if he's not 100% healthy, I'm not so sure he should because you need for him to be healthy come the regular season in October. One other note I should pass along is uh, some news I got late 
Thursday afternoon uh, on July 6th. It was supposed to be the date that Dwayne Washington Jr.'s contract for the upcoming season, 22-23, was fully guaranteed. However, I learned through a source that the Pacers has actually pushed back his guaranteed date, back to July 15th. So it's not uncommon. In fact, the Pacers did this with Keelan Martin last year, if you remember, but no clarity on his situation just yet. Now it's a little clouded, too, I wonder, if he even plays at Summer League. Because if I'm him, unless I'm getting some kind of guarantees from the Pacers that I'm unsure of just yet, I'm not playing. I'm not risking that contract. Because to be clear, Dwayne Washington's part of the future for this Pacers. They like him. They love him, actually. Ronald Nord said he might be the best communicator that he's dealt with on a basketball court ever. And he's been around a lot of good players. He's one of the more vocal players. He's uh, really taken a lot of the guys under his wing. And it's kind of funny, though, Because he's still very young. He's just entering year two. Only a month ago was he done with rookie duties, and yet he's taking on a larger role. So I expect Dwayne Washington to be here next year. Let's be clear about that. However, I do think it's noteworthy that the Pacers pushed back his contract guarantee date by more than a week. I'm unsure about the motivation behind that, but perhaps here in the next couple days we will get some clarity on his situation. Still plenty for the Pacers to work on and, and finalize here, both on the court and in the with the front office. Uh, obviously, some of those front office members and head coach Rick Carlisle who are here in Indy for the signing of Jalen Smith's contract, they're going to also be out in Vegas. They just did not head over there with the core group there that, uh, you know, the coaching staff that includes a lot of the assistant coaches that maybe you're not familiar with, like Ronald Norris, like Mo Baker and Gennaro Pargo and Calbert Chaney, Jenny Busick will be on that coaching staff. Dylan DeBusk, who's a video coordinator, is getting more activity on the court. So it's also valuable time for those individuals as well. I'm going to wrap up this podcast, and uh, I wanted to get this out there. A lot of thoughts with what's going on with the Pacers right now, and interest level is at an all-time high since probably two or three years. So many people consuming this podcast, so many more people reading online at fieldhousefiles.com. So join the community there. Let me know if you guys have any questions, requests, stories you're interested in, although admittedly I'm at no shortage of stories. I have tons of stuff from both Summer League and to come this offseason, which has been very active. I will say I'm looking forward to a break here after Summer League, hopefully, if things go down that way. But that will wrap up this episode of the Fieldhouse Files podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have not subscribed, please do so. And I'll talk to you again soon.